0: This is The Talking Point, the IMAX Group Podcast. Human beings are hardwired to chase after the things they care about all day long, 24-7-365, whether they know they're doing it or not. It's how we live our lives, we can't help it, it's what being human means. Today we're discussing putting human nature back into data. Kit Watts, IMAX Strategic Communications Director, is with David Allison, founder of the Value Graphics Database. We don't have to do those things anymore. We can curate our lives thanks to technology however we like, but we still use these old-fashioned ideas about what is a man, and what is a woman, and what is an 18 year old, and what is a 75 year old, and what are rich people all about? We still are relying on these. It's the last big disruption. We need to disrupt demographics.
1: We've got a perfect opportunity to leap right in and give people some concrete examples now. So if you wouldn't mind, can you just take us through a bit of your values thinking process and just demonstrate to those people listening what we mean when we talk about this different way of approaching data?
0: Maybe what I should do first is just tell you a little bit about how we do this. We, we sat down and realized that we needed a tool. We needed data to be able to understand a group of people and how to get them to do something based on their value. So we, we've spent the last five years building this data set and it's, it's half a million surveys now from around the world. We had a team of translators helping us move this in and out of 152 different languages so that it wasn't Anglo-centric. And we surveyed people in what the statisticians call, everybody buckle your seat belts, here we go. A random, stratified, statistically representative sample of the population, uh, which basically just means it's an exact, miniaturized replica, proportionately, of the real world. We have the same number of men, women, rich, poor, young, old, Chinese, Spanish, British, Canadian, as the real world does. So this little tiny model, half a million people, that is an exact replica of the eight billion people on this on the on the planet, super super accurate. And what we've measured is what people care about. Their values are. So now we can go in there and pull out stuff and go, oh, well, people in Argentina who want to buy a teacup, this is what they care about. So why don't we just talk to them about that as it relates to our teacup instead of just guessing and hoping we get it right because they're all, you know, 18-year-old women or whatever they might be. So that's the tool we use. Now, using that tool, and there's some other tools you can we can use too. We'll get into that in a minute. But using this tool, what we can do is give you highly accurate. Uh, readings for an audience and say, here's the things they care about in common. There's only 56 things that humans can care about. So what we can do is identify which three or four they have in common for a particular target audience. So in the case of somebody who, for example, is interested in um, going to a particular conference, I'm being careful about what I say here because I'm gonna be revealing what we found out about conference attendees at an upcoming event with MPI at the WEC. But we found a set of five to 10 values that are specifically shared by people who go to conferences and events. And what we're going to be able to show you how to do with these things, There, and values are things like family, relationships, trust, uh, creativity, personal growth, personal responsibility, environmentalism, these are like core human values, what makes us pick what we want out of our lives, right? So we found the list specific for people who go to conferences. The values thinking process just helps you take that handful of values that your audience shares and say, okay, if that's what they're chasing, that's what they're listening for, what can we do with our conference, our event, our hotel, our destination, and say, if that's what you guys wanna hear, well, here's what we can tell you about our thing that matches what you're listening for. Instead of spending our time saying stuff that we think's important, but they're not really listening for it. So we kinda know what people are listening for now when it comes to conferences and events. That's really values thinking in its simplest form.
1: Let's um, apply that in a little way that I'd love to it really strongly relates to our audience. There's a strong desire amongst people who come to IMEX and amongst our partners to focus more on sustainable events. And I think that's actually planning and delivering a more sustainable event as much as being on the receiving end. And I think the value of caring about the environment, caring about the planet, being environmentally more aware currently looks like it's been dismissed because of COVID, but What I have noticed and seen in in our marketing and the people who've attended um, our online event, Planet IMEX, is that sustainability is a clear demonstration of a value that cuts through all ages, all genders, all cultures, if you like. Can you talk a little bit about sustainability or environmentalism as a value and, and any anecdotes you can share around that?
0: Yeah, for sure. So, oh boy, I can talk about this for an hour. Environmentalism is one of the 56 values that we've measured. So we can show you how important it is to various audiences, and we've done this for a whole bunch of groups now. So, People who share environmentalism as a value always exist along with a value called personal responsibility. So folks who are incredibly focused on the environment are list-making people who want to get stuff done for themselves. They're not the sort who sit on the couch and go, you know what someone should do about that? I think they should, they're like, nope, I'm gonna go do this thing. They're the ones who sit in meetings in the boardroom and go, I'll take it, mine, got it, it's on my list. I got. Don't talk about that anymore, I'll take care of it. They're those people. Now, as that translates to environmentalism then, if we're trying to motivate a group of people to be more sustainable, to live a more sustainable life, reduce their carbon footprint, be more environmentally aware, they're going to react really well to anything that shows them how they can get it done themselves today. How can I reduce my carbon footprint today? Yes, I want to save the almost extinct bird species in another part of the world, that's all good. But unless I can figure out what I can do today to change my behaviors in a way that's going to help with that, I'm less interested in that and more interested in hearing about how I can recycle better, how I can compost better, how I can consume less, how I can use fewer single-use plastics in my life. They want to be taught and they're willing to admit that they do not know enough about how to fix the environmental issues that we're facing as a planet. So we've done work with the Environmental Defense Fund of Washington DC, for example. When I talk to them about this, they're like, yeah, you know, when we get our donors in a room, one of the things they say to us is they want to know more about the specific details. It's great that we're funding such and such a scientist to go and do this work. I want to read his work. I want to be able to talk intelligently about how fast the ice cap is melting and how that relates to the activities of a certain population who's doing a certain thing. Now, as it relates to conferences and events, we have to think about environmentalism as a value, yes. But we also have to realize that people who come to conferences and events and plan conferences and events will be seeing environmentalism also as a behavior that's meeting other values. Why am I interested in being an environmentalist and being sustainable? Maybe it's because I get some status out of that. Maybe because all my peers and my bosses are really focused on this, so I am going to be that environmentalist that you want me to be because it's gonna elevate my status. Or maybe it's because of my family. Maybe I'm worried about my kids and the next generation. That's why I'm going to do that behavior called sustainability. So it gets kind of complex and fun and interesting when you start picking this stuff apart. The last thing I'll say about that is that environmentalism and sustainability is, yes, definitely something that's been taking a bit of a backseat right now. But fortunately, because it's a value for people who are invested in that who put a great level of importance on that you don't get to chop off values and grow new ones we're not an octopus
1: now currently we're constrained um uh, if not limited and forbidden to get people in a room in some countries Mm. does that change our values it sounds like you've just clearly said no those values are consistent they are eternal they do not change regardless of the environment as in the location that you're in they are perennial, some of them kind of perhaps diluted by an online experience.
0: Your values are your values are your values. How you manifest behaviors as a result of those values will change based on environmental conditions. I don't, I mean low, low case, lowercase e, environmental. During the pandemic, for example, the people who had family as a value They're tripling down. They're doubling down and tripling down on family. They're like over the top about family. But if you didn't really care about your family before the pandemic, you didn't suddenly start getting all concerned about your family. So uh, family was either there or it wasn't. Environmentalism is either there or it's not. How you react to it is variable. You get your values in late childhood and early adolescence based on who's around you and what you're exposed to. It's called being socialized. When you get socialized, your values form And then I talk about it like um, passports in the sock drawer. We all know someone who has three or four or five different passports to different countries or citizens of different nations. And right now, perhaps they're living in the UK because that's where their work is. So that passport's super important, but next week they meet a lovely woman from Spain and they go and they live in Spain and so that passport comes out in the UK passports in the software, It's still their passport but it's not the most important one for them right now in this particular situation. So the importance of values to a single person will change. Your behaviors around those values will change but the values themselves are rock solid and ever ever ever. New. Now there's one exception if somebody's listening to this who's a sociologist they'll fight with me about this. Catastrophic events can change values. The Research shows that it, even in cases of catastrophic events, which are have to be short, sharp shocks, to quote Gilbert and Sullivan, they can't be long, slow processes like COVID.
1: David, you just brought up the perfect bridge. Let's talk about COVID. A lot of people in our industry, a lot of planners like like IMEX and like our strategic partners, MPI, are looking at coming back into the market with a live event. MPI are looking to have their event in Grapevine in Texas, their WEC event. We are looking ahead to holding our trade show in Frankfurt next May, and hopefully again in, uh, in Las Vegas, IMEX America next November. But of course, it's fraught with practical issues currently. I think we've all noticed there is perhaps a disproportionate communication, I'm not saying a disproportionate sense of focus, but a disproportionate communication about the safety aspect of events. Whereas, um, I think what we're really talking here is about comforting people and making them feel secure, aren't we? So can you talk a bit about where values thinking comes into that you know how do we differentiate between overwhelming people about talking about gloves and disinfectant and sealing doors and sealing environments but how do we make them feel safe without going too far down that avenue
0: well i mean if we go back to the basic principles of values thinking the answer to every question is to look at what people care about so if the folks that you're trying to communicate with around your safety measures care mostly about their family and, let's say, the environment, and let's make up one and say personal growth. Then the message that will resonate with them is if you tap into those three issues and say, we're going to keep you safe, and here's how that's a good thing for your family, and here's how our families are impacted by this, and we understand your family. So just, like, talk to them about family. Talk to them about how um, the, the approach that you're taking is going to make sure that they continue on their journey of growing as a human being and becoming a better version of themselves tomorrow than they are today, that our basic understanding of what it means to be healthy must be um, uh, you know uh, continually re-examined as we go through this thing. I have a personal story I wanna share with you just about going back to a restaurant for the first time when we were allowed to here in Canada, where I live. Uh, and I was all excited, it was their first day at my favorite restaurant, and. Um, went and sat down and ordered my, my. you know, it's, it seems crazy in 1% of me to say this, but my $20 bowl of soup, um, what's that, like 12 pounds, 12 pounds for a bowl of soup? It seems like a crazy price to pay for a bowl of soup, but $2, to a pound of that is, is the cost of the soup, and the rest of it is what you pay for the experience. Well, my experience on my first day back in my favorite restaurant, in my favorite booth in the corner, looking at my favorite art, my favorite room, was rubber gloves and masks. It was not an experience I want to pay 18 bucks for. I think we need to all understand that these are now normal parts of our life, at least for the foreseeable future, Uh, and so let's do them. But they can't be all we do. We have to overcompensate around what people value in those situations in order to make up for the fact that you've changed this atmospheric environmental condition where you now have to wear a mask and there has to be gloves and there has to be some of these things whatever they happen to be so the only way to get people to not be entirely focused on that is by giving them something else to focus on and that something else is what they care about whatever they care about if they care about their family find a way to make family just crank the volume on what you're doing around helping them with the value they place on family so my restaurant example, for uh, is to carry on with that analogy, um, they should go from being snooty $18, $20 bowl of soup restaurant to uh, bringing your family with you when you come to this fancy restaurant. Uh, and make it somewhere where know right now we're all maybe spending a lot of time with our families and some people love that and some people are so excited about that so maybe maybe for the people who are excited about that uh, this is an opportunity to get yourselves out of the house to come as a family unit maybe you get dressed up Maybe this is your one chance to get your kids to put on a nice clean shirt. You and your wife get to dress up and put on your fancy clothes. We're going to go out and we're just going to pretend everything's okay. And we're going to have a couple hours where we get to just be on this fantasy place where everything's fine. I'm sure there's some people with masks around us, but more importantly I'm with my family, doing family things, there's a family menu, there's crayons, for whatever it is you need to do. David Allison will be taking part in Planet Imex, the October edition. Join us on the 12th to the 16th of October for a full week of creative content and inspiring speakers. If you want to know more about IMAX and the work we do, you can find us online at imaxexhibitions.com or you can seek us out on the usual social media channels. We've put them in the notes below for you. Tune in next time.